lot of people hear nutrition and they do think, oh, that must have to do with weight loss. I actually no longer work with weight loss at all in my practice anymore. And I'll tell you why if you're interested. Yes, I want to <laughs> um, know. <laughs> I just find that weight loss and health are two separate things. Mm -hmm. And there may be a time and a place where you want to work on body composition goals. And there's that's all fine and good, like no judgment here. Um, but what I do is really help people work on their health. And those two things may not always be in alignment, right? So body, like changing your body composition may be a totally different approach than what's required to improve your health at this moment in time. Hello everyone, I'm your host, Dr. Sneha Ghazi, and welcome back to another episode on Fit as a Fiddle. I'm a physical therapist and owner of Sneha Physical Therapy in New York City. I'm also the founder and executive director of Physical Therapy International Service Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit that brings free health resources to underserved communities all over the world. I am obsessed with the idea that if you feel better inside and out, you live a better life. Each episode on Fit as a Fiddle brings you phenomenal guests in the health and wellness space who share inspiring tips and tangible advice. I'm glad you're joining this community of listeners who strive to keep their mind, body, and spirit healthy and thriving. All things health and wellness starts right here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode on Fit as a Fiddle. Our guest today is Robin Randisi. She is a functional nutritionist. Um, and she really helps people um, through her online presence and through her one-on-ones and through her, uh, you know, ever, all of the things that she teaches to her clients and the people that come to her for help um, to improve the quality of their lives and to make them feel better, not only on the inside, on the outside and everything in between. Um, and her main focuses are on digestion, autoimmune conditions, and like kind of the umbrella of women's health. Um, so we're really excited to have Robin on the show today. We're going to be talking about, um, you know, basics of the anti-inflammatory diet and just reducing inflammation. I know it's such a big word for people. They don't, may not really understand the concepts behind inflammation. Robin is here to break that all down for us and help us understand our diets and our bodies and what really health is in that whole space. So welcome to today's show, Robin. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Sneha. I really appreciate the invite. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So let's just start off with your work first. Um, you know, you have like a couple of different specialties and our kind of paths cross in the pelvic health space here um, in the New York area. So I know that, um, you know, you have a wealth of knowledge and you work with lots of different people, but I'd love to hear your story of how you even got into this in the first place. Yeah, Absolutely. So functional nutrition is all about a root cause holistic approach. So we're always asking the question like why and trying to do more than just resolve symptoms, but really address the underlying drivers of what someone's pain points might be. Um, and so for me, I kind of got into this because I had my own health challenges. I was diagnosed well, I guess I wasn't technically diagnosed, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I had interstitial cystitis. Um, and my doctor's like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Maybe it's this thing. Um, and if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's a really painful bladder condition. Um, it's also called painful bladder syndrome, where it kind of, the way I usually describe it is it kind of feels like you have 
a UTI, but like 24 seven and antibiotics do not fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, when I went down that, that road of like, wow, this came on really suddenly and I'm not getting any answers or solutions, uh, what do I do? And it, it led me down a path where I ended up, um, totally changing my diet. And I got so excited by the profound effects that it had on me and how I basically, you know, was able to resolve my interstitial cystitis, mostly through dietary changes and working on my gut health and um, all these things that I do with people nowadays. Um, So yeah, it it kind of like inspired me to change my career, go back to school, study nutrition. Um, Yeah, just kind of like spread the gospel, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. And I I didn't know until we started connecting a little bit more here about your journey as well and how that's informed your practice. But it's just so it's it's so interesting when it comes to that whole interstitial cystitis pelvic health world, like so much, not just the pelvic health world, I really should say anything that comes from within our bodies, how much it can be influenced and managed with the things that we're putting into our bodies and how that makes us feel and how our symptoms feel that day or that week. Um, so I'm excited to, to dive in more in depth here. Um, but what, like just for listeners to kind of get a sense, like what is an anti-inflammatory diet? And also like, I guess the second part of that question is uh, why do certain foods create more inflammation than others? And why are those kind of different? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, maybe we should back up even further and talk about like, what is inflammation? Yeah. Um, So as a PT, you're probably talking to people all the time about like, oh, why does my body hurt? (laughs) And that kind of thing. And it's like, well, inflammation can be at the heart of that. Um, It's really, we think of it like pain, redness, swelling, heat. And that's a normal part of like your body functioning. There's nothing wrong with inflammation, but when it goes on for too long, it's too much or it's chronic low-grade inflammation, then we start to develop um, potentially health conditions and symptoms. Um, so we're starting to understand that inflammation really plays a role in like almost every chronic disease. So it's been this kind of buzzword people have heard about, um, maybe they don't understand how it manifests. So like, it could look like different things for different people. It kind of depends on what your weak link is. I always say, so like for, in my example, it was obviously like my, my, um, you know, like pelvic pain was a big deal for me. That might've been my weak link at that time. For some people, it might be GI health. For some people, it might be joint pain. For other people, they might get migraines or headaches, um, trouble sleeping, or just feel kind of like low energy. So I feel like all these amorphous things can be, can benefit from, uh, an anti-inflammatory like lifestyle and diet approach. Um, so, so, so there's a couple of reasons why certain foods can be more inflammatory than others. Um, one thing I like to always tell people is that your body really only has the building blocks to work with what you eat, drink, and breathe. And that's it. And that's what all your cells are made of. That's what your cell receptors are made of. That's what your hormones are made of. So if you're not getting enough raw materials to do its job properly, your body's going to struggle and you might end up in a more inflammatory state. So that's so it could just be like a deficit of things it might not be you're eating the wrong things. It could just be you're eating enough, not eating enough of the good stuff. Um, you know, and then we have certain foods we know are pretty inflammatory. So, you know, when you think about inflammatory foods, it tends to be stuff like um, high fructose corn syrup, trans fats, hydrogenated oils, like those are pretty 
it's not uh, it's not very controversial to say that those are highly inflammatory. <laughs> but a lot of the questions that I get, you know, beyond that are like, oh, do I need to cut out gluten? Do I need to cut out dairy? Do I need to, you know, be vegan or paleo or keto or, you know, you name it. People are like, is, is that an anti-inflammatory diet? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and to that, I always say, well, it depends. Like, it depends on the person sitting in front of me, what I would say. So um, certainly gluten and dairy can be inflammatory for some people at some times. Um, and gut health really plays a big role in how well your body is able to break down and digest, absorb nutrients. So if someone has compromised digestive function, meaning like, for example, people, I don't know if you've thrown around this term or heard people hear it, say it before, but leaky gut, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. So if your gut membrane is more porous than it should be, and large particles or bacterial endotoxins from your gut are entering your bloodstream, that's going to, by definition, create some inflammation in your body because you're going to, your body's going to register it as a foreign thing that shouldn't be there. Your white blood cells are going to start going on attack. Um, and so sometimes it's more about the terrain than the, the foods. And some, maybe some people can't digest gluten and dairy, or they find it quite inflammatory or that it exacerbates their, their symptoms um, at this moment in time. But once they do some deeper healing, it's really not about the food. It's about the terrain. So that's kind of an example, actually a good example of like a functional nutrition type approach of like going that level deeper to that kind of like root cause of like, instead of like pinpointing or, or, um, you know, um, targeting foods and cutting them all out of our diet, because that's a pretty slippery slope to not being able to eat anything. Yeah. Um, it's like, let's think about digestive function as well. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of where my mind went when you, when you asked it, it was like, Oh, you know, this is how I usually talk to folks about it, but feel free to clarify. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that was a really wonderful explanation. And you I mean, took it to the next step to talk about functional nutrition embedded in with, uh, you know, how that can help inflammation as well. And I think that one of the things that people kind of think of when it, like autoimmune and inflammation, like body attacking self and like that kind of um, language gets used in uh, like, I guess, patients understanding of things, what, how, what, what do you say to explain that term a little in a more conducive way, I guess, to explain autoimmunity? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I work with a lot of folks with autoimmune conditions and as you know, it's like, it's really prevalent um, right now, you know, it's just been on the rise. Um, And so uh, the way that I talk about it is Well, first of all, I like to kind of zoom out and always tell people like, you're not broken. Like your body is just trying to communicate you and it's just doing the best with what it has and take a little bit of the pressure off of them feeling like I've got this problem uh, and I've got to fix it. I've got to fix myself. My body is broken. My body, you know, I'm clashing with my body where we're like not on the same team here. It's like, I've got to control it. And instead it's like, actually, you know, what's nicer for your nervous system and more conducive to healing is to just be in relationship with your body and say like, Hey, what are you trying to tell me here? And autoimmunity or any other symptoms are part of that process. But I think autoimmunity is a very scary thing because some, some autoimmune conditions are quite serious and they can really affect your quality of life um, and your longevity. So, but it ranges, you know, the gamut ranges from things that are super serious, like, you know, multiple sclerosis to things that might be like, you know, eczema or psoriasis or something. So there's a huge, there's a huge range. And what I always, um, how I always work with people is again, zooming out to that terrain. It's like, okay, let's think about what we know about gut health and autoimmunity. 
we know that you probably have a leaky gut in order to develop autoimmunity. Like there's a lot of research pointing in that direction. Um, so gut health is something we can work on. Check. We know that your nervous system has a big um, impact on autoimmunity. So that's something we can work on. That's modifiable with lifestyle stuff. Um, so, you know, stress management, movement, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so while we don't say that there's a cure for autoimmunity, because there's really technically a not, I will say that I have seen many times um, people put their autoimmunity into um, what we would call, uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the word. Help me out here. <laughs> and... um, remission. That's the word. Remission. Okay. <laughs> yes, thank you. Intermission. I wasn't sure where you were going with it. <laughs> I know. I put a little pressure on you there. <laughs> um, into remission, or they're able to successfully manage their symptoms pretty well. Um, so I... I like to kind of give people hope, number one, take the pressure off, number two, and then kind of explain the mechanisms of like, okay, so your body is recognizing your own tissue um, and attacking it. It, it, it. You know, instead of um, making the distinction between self and, and an antigen, a foreign object or foreign substance that shouldn't be there, it's getting confused. Now, why is that? And when we we think that has more to do with like the specific types of autoimmune conditions you might, you know, with thyroid, there's a the proteins and gluten grains that can look like your thyroid um, tissue and, and that person, it might be, yeah, like, let's try removing gluten and see what happens to your thyroid antibodies. Um, let's clean up your gut. Let's reduce your stress. Let's talk about supporting your nervous system. Are you chewing your food enough? You know, just are you getting enough minerals so that your thyroid can function properly? So that's one example of like thyroid autoimmunity of how I might talk about it or approach it with people. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it can yeah. be a lot to deal with as a as a patient or client. For sure. And I what I really liked about what you said is even though the autoimmune condition itself may not have like a direct cure, like it's not like you take a pill and it goes away, like a bacterial infection, for example, but it, you know, but there's still so much that's in our voluntary control and what patients can do to diminish the effects of that autoimmune condition. So like while that an autoimmunity might still exist, whether it's like a genetic condition or whatever it is, a congenital condition. Um, at the end of the day, there's a whole bunch of tools and strategies that are kind of like, you know, that epigenetic kind of language Absolutely. and that in the world of environmental and physical changes that you can exert on your own body that can still help you live very fulfilling and like relatively symptom-free life. Um, can't always promise. I know you can't promise. I can't promise patients that I can, they'll never feel any symptoms after going through a plan of care. And nor, I know you can't also, you know, promise anyone that they'll never experience a flare up or, you know, get out of remission and into remission, like those things you can't promise, but what you can promise is that they can make an impact on, you know, the, I guess, severity of their symptoms or the intensity or the frequency of their symptoms. And so that's, I think, empowering to patients. And, you know, the food is something that we put in our bodies. We have to put in our bodies. It's not like, it's a little different than, I guess, exercise in that even if you choose not to exercise, like that's really bad for your health and it's really bad not to move, but like you won't like die in seven days. <laughs> right. <laughs> But like, if you don't put food in your mouth, I don't know how many days it actually takes to not survive right. on food or water. <laughs> but um, the point being like, you have to eat food and food is a part of like the multiple instances of a person's life. Like, it's not just like, oh, like 
dental care, you brush your teeth, like you, you can get away with doing it once a day. Like if you could do it twice, it would be much better. And if you flossed and you rinse, it would be even better. But like, you should probably brush your teeth to like survive in this society, you know, but food, like you have to put food in your mouth. Like you literally cannot function. And I think that, you know, for listeners, that's like a huge piece of control that you have in your life. And if you can just figure out and get a handle on healthier ways of incorporating food, uh, again, from this whole functional nutrition perspective, where it's more holistic, you're treating root cause. It's not a fad diet that you see on Instagram that some model, it worked for them or you know whoever it was, but it's something that's personalized and customized because all of our bodies are so different. The impact of hormones, stress, movement, environment, toxins, where you live on this planet, all of those things influence our bodies and the food that we put into our bodies, you know, we can choose to make it more conducive for us. And what's conducive for one person may not be exactly the same for another person, right? So that's why it's so wonderful to have guidance from a person like you who has such a wealth of knowledge, not only on, you know, what everyone wants to know, which is what's going to make me lose weight, that's not really the point. Like, yeah, sure. But like, what's going to make you feel more energetic and more optimized and more like alert and present in your lives so that you can do everything else that you need to do. Um, so I don't know if you wanted to comment on any of that um, <laughs> or yeah. any piece of that resonates. <laughs> no, I mean, I think what you're saying is, is great. I mean, autoimmunity is complex. I definitely don't want to undersell it. Um, in that regard. And um, I think you're totally right is, is that it should be an empowering, um, an empowering experience to do something like functional nutrition, because you're totally right. We like most of us eat like what five times a day, but we're not really taught the impact of food on our bodies in any sort of meaningful way. And most doctors, unfortunately, will still say it doesn't matter what you eat, no matter like what your diagnosis is, unless maybe you have celiac disease. Um, so it's unfortunate, but it's like, uh, I think, I feel like it's um, a missing link in the healthcare system that people are um, not deeply exploring the relationship between how they feel themselves and how they feel in their bodies. And mm-hmm. I, it's interesting that you mentioned weight loss because a lot of people hear nutrition and they do think, oh, that must have to do with weight loss. I actually no longer work with weight loss at all in my practice anymore. And I'll tell you why, if you're interested. Yes, I want to know. (laughs) I just find that weight loss and health are two separate things. Mm -hmm. And there may be a time and a place where you want to work on body composition goals. And there's, that's all fine and good, like no judgment here. Um, But what I do is really help people work on their health. And those two things may not always be in alignment, right? So body, like changing your body composition may be a totally different approach than what's required to improve your health at this moment in time. And so I just, I just found that often enough, those things were at odds that I was like, well, here's what I, you know, if you're interested in weight loss, I'm just not your gal. It's not, you know, like no shame in that, but um, it's a different, for me, it's like a different frame of reference to start with, with someone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the comparison that I have to that in my world is um, the postpartum patient who wants to work on strength and recovery, 
but deep down, it's really a weight loss goal for them with exercise. And so for me, I actually make it very clear that that's not my job. And I will not sit here counting reps and sets, not because I don't want you to feel better or have better body image or anything like that. It's just that and health again, same, same thing that you just said, weight loss and, and health. Like there's a, there is a place where those definitely overlap. Like if you talk to any uh, cardiac surgeon, I'm sure that they would say that that has a big impact for sure. I'm not denying it at all, but when it comes from a place of, I need to look skinnier versus I need to feel more energetic, like feel more like, you know, like I can get to do the things that I want to do in my life more easily. That's when it becomes more of like a healthy, healthy plan and a healthy goal. So I I'm totally on the same page with you, Robin. <laughs> um, all right. So let's kind of dive into like this, going back to anti-inflammatory diets and, you know, how you don't really necessarily want people to do like the fad quick diets, or it depends, doesn't really, you know, it's not like you just do keto and it's anti-inflammatory or you just do this and it's anti-inflammatory. If somebody's kind of coming in being like, Hey, I want to get started on this journey what is kind of like the first step and how do you kind of get that buy-in for them to start working with you on this? Yeah. I mean, the first step is always listening on my end. So really like what, what are they looking for help with? What are their goals? And functional nutrition is such a bio-individual approach. It's part of the reason that I love it. Um, so it's really about who is this person sitting in front of me and what is their life like? Not only like what are their symptoms, but like what are they able to do right now? Are they totally burnt out in most areas of their life? Okay, we need to start with the nervous system. We're not going to touch food right now. It's going to stress you out. We don't need another thing to stress you out of to worry about changing right now. First, let's get your nervous system feeling safer so that, um, you know, making changes feels a little bit more doable. So that's like one example. Um but really it's like listening, talking to the person saying like, okay, what would you, where would you be comfortable starting? Um, we're going to take this one step at a time. Here's maybe a menu of options to choose from not a literal menu of food options, but a menu of like approaches um, of like ways we could go, um, how fast we could move. Some people like to dive straight in with both feet, you know, and other people are like, I want to take baby steps. You know, I don't want to go off the deep end. Um so it's really about meeting people where they're at. And that makes it a much less intimidating process because change is hard and, and food has a lot, food is wrapped up with a lot in our, you know, culture. And, and it's not just fuel, you know, it's a lot of people express love through making food for their loved ones or it's how they connect. There's a social element, you know, so it's like taking all of that into account is honestly probably the very um, unsexy first place to start. <laughs> yeah. Um, Absolutely. If you want to talk more nitty gritty, we can. If you want to talk actual food stuff, we can. Um, yeah. Why don't we Why don't we dive into the nitty gritties? But I just wanted to comment that um, I remember there was a nutritionist who told me one time she's like, uh, a healthy diet is not about deprivation, and I think that sometimes, um, like people keep thinking like less and taking away, but sometimes you can actually think of it as the reverse, as like introducing and kind of like replacing. And that sometimes just gives you, like you said, it's diet and nutrition is so much more than just the food, right? There's a whole psychology behind that as well. Um, so thinking a bit more from like that slightly more positive, like that sense can help people just go through their journey a little bit smoothly. 
Yeah, I think our culture is very black and white, very binary. And um, a lot of us are like, okay, what do I eat? Give me a list. What should I eat? What should I not eat? And it's like, well, that's not really a sustainable long-term approach for most people. <laughs> um, it's more about like, hey, let's tune into your body. Um, let's see if making some changes gives you more energy. And, you know, there's different seasons of life where you might want to eat differently. Um, so that kind of, my whole goal is to like graduate people into the world, um, after they finish this process of working together where they feel empowered to make those decisions for themselves. They don't have to like Google, like each fad as it comes up or like every Instagram influencers thing. They're just like, Oh, interesting. Like I could try that and see how it goes or not. Cause I'm feeling pretty good for myself. Like it's about me and my body and less of this external telling me, um, what to do, what to eat, how I should be. Um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree that, um, often adding things in is a place to start. And so one of the first places I start with people is talking about like protein and fiber, honestly. So are you eating enough fiber? Could we, is there room to like increase fiber in your diet? Um, and what about protein? Most people aren't eating enough protein in the morning for breakfast. That can make a big difference in how your nervous system feels. It sets up your blood sugar for the rest of the day. So you maybe you won't get as much energy crashes. Maybe you'll sleep better at night. Um, those are like simple things that are about like exactly what you said, adding things in. Um, yeah. and again, that usually takes the pressure off and, 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 um, people can often see results from that. And honestly, the truth is sometimes we see it crowd out other stuff like sugars and, um, excess caffeine or refined carbohydrates, but it kind of happens naturally without people having to think about it. Yeah, I know. I think the, the big thing, uh, protein at the start of the day personally makes a big difference in my life. Um, oh, yeah. like if I have like a fruit smoothie versus like a little bit of a scrambled egg with some veggies, like that actually makes a huge difference in like the first four hours of my day. Um, so, and sometimes it's like a little bit of both. So I get my vitamins and I get my protein and like different things. But I do know that when I kind of just like rush out the door and I just kind of grab something that I haven't planned, like if it's like a granola bar or a protein, sorry, not a protein bar, but like the granola bars that don't have enough protein in them, I'm usually like, I'm like hungry in like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's really interesting once you start to tune in and pay attention. It's like, yeah, I don't really need someone now to tell me to eat protein in the morning. I know that like my brain works better and I feel better and I don't get hangry at 10 a.m., you know, and it's like, ah, oh, yes, that's the whole process we're trying to like help people, you know, go through because it becomes, um, it's not a diet then it's just like, here's how I want to feel. How do we make this happen? Let's like work on the logistics of that. Um, and then of course, you know, I, I make it sound so easy, but you know, of course, if someone has, uh, serious symptoms or an autoimmune condition, for example, it's like, yes, there's always going to be deeper layers we can do, but for most people, Starting to eat more anti and in, in, in more anti-inflammatory way is like the best place to start. Like, and you can, you know, there's so much you can do on your own in terms of just increasing the plant fibers in your diet, vegetables, leafy greens, colorful veggies, um, sweet potatoes, uh, cruciferous veggies, uh, like cabbage, broccoli, kale, um, nuts and seeds, you know, chia seeds, hemp seeds, flax seeds. I'm a fan of all those. Um, you know, and those are all oh, beans and legumes. Those are all great sources of fiber. So you know, there's got to be almost everyone can find something in that list that they're like, oh yeah, I could eat more of that. <laughs> like yeah, you can that in somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. And it, and it, it might just be like one thing that I would do sometimes is throw some of those seeds into my smoothies 
that are like more fruit-based as well. And so that just increases, you know, the nutrition, nutritional benefits and can make such a big difference. It's like, you don't have to buy like, right, like a hundred different things and have like so many different options. But if you pick even a few things that work with you, work for you and you feel better doing them, I think that's usually the key for people. And sometimes, you know, you can, by reading a lot of things, you can get overwhelmed. Um, but I think that's a good segue actually into our whole, like the energetics of healing and changing your body and lifestyle, um, and just being like patient with yourself and not being too overwhelmed. So I'd love for you to kind of touch base on how do you talk to your patients and clients about that? Yeah. I mean, it's such a juicy topic and I really love talking about it because it's the, the longer that I practice, the more I realize how important it is to make sure like there's an adequate discussion there of like mind body support and an acknowledgement of like you're undertaking something that might bring up a lot of emotions it might feel really hard to change and that's all okay the important thing is that we're approaching it with as much self-compassion as possible I really feel like that's the secret ingredient to any kind of change um and also an understanding of like why 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 your brain and your nervous system might resist change, why it might feel so hard. And that's just because it's trying to keep you safe. It doesn't really like things that are unpredictable or new because it doesn't know what's going to happen. So sometimes getting over that hump and like working with yourself the way you would work with like a child, honestly, like having a dialogue with yourself that is um, non-judgmental, just observing what's going on, just sitting with yourself, sometimes even just dialoguing with your body or like writing a letter to your body, all these like little simple things can change how you relate to making change and to your body itself. So again, I always bring it back to the nervous system is like, what feels better for your nervous system? Like must fix, must control, must get this right. Or like, Hey, what's up body? Why don't we try this thing and see how it goes? We can't mess it up. Like, let's just see what happens. I'm here. You'll tell me if you don't like it. Like, right. Okay. That feels better. That feels a lot more relaxed. That's a lot more conducive to constructive change, to sustainable change, to long-term change. Um, So I think that's what, I think that's kind of the entryway. Food is a great entry point, I think, for that. And it's something we can then use in other areas of our life, because how many of us are too hard on ourselves or put too much pressure on ourselves? Yeah. Common thing I see. Absolutely. And yeah, it doesn't have to be, we can make it as hard as we want it to. We can make it as difficult and as stressful as we wanted to but if we just reframe it in our brains again have more compassion like it's okay to have a piece of chocolate like it's not the end of the world like you can it's again not that deprivation mentality where you know having one thing that you know doesn't make you feel good and then you feel crappy at the end of it mine is taco bell by the way oh interesting (laughs) it's really bad really bad i don't i don't eat really at any fast food like I'm vegetarian. So there's no like Chick-fil-A, Big Macs, like Burger King, like any of that kind of stuff that's ever been a part of my life, but Taco Bell. And then you replace the meat with or fried beans. And then you have to use fire sauce. And that's just my <laughs> to go to. <laughs> it's very specific, but that's like my cheat, cheat, cheat. Like when I'm the lowest of the lows and I'm just like, I just need this in my life. Well, but it's serving I, a purpose. I mean, that's how I would frame that. It's serving a purpose exactly. that's useful for you. So it's not good. It's not bad. There's no morality attached to food. I think our culture is so quick to jump to that of like, I'm bad or this is bad. And it's like, no, it's just like, doesn't that, maybe that feels better. And you're like, you can enjoy it more. And it, like, speaking of epigenetics, like you mentioned in the beginning, 
Um, you know, maybe you're getting some other benefits because it's a nostalgic food and you love to eat Taco Bell with your, I don't know, I'm totally making this up, like with your family at one point, and there's some other benefit that's aside from nutrition and that's okay. Right. And when I use therapeutic diets with folks, um, because sometimes those are warranted and they might involve cutting out foods. Um, but we don't jump to that right away. And when we do use them, we want them to feel like cozy guardrails and not like you're in a food prison. So not that it's restriction and it's deprivation. And we, we only use them short term because the goal is always to get you to the most diverse diet possible and to get you digesting and absorbing your foods that you, you know, and get your immune system, your nervous system calmed down so that when you do eat Taco Bell or whatever your, you know, quote unquote, food vice is, um, your body can handle it better. Like, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. the goal. And then exercise is always great anti-inflammation as well. So I just, Oh yeah, it. that's true. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, yeah, for me, I'm just, I literally tell everyone it doesn't take any equipment or anything really just walk, just walk mm-hmm. around try not to take the elevator, just take those stairs for like the three flights. Like if you're healthy enough to do something like that. And it's just like very simple. I like, people are usually like, I don't have 20 minutes every day. I can't do it. Or I don't have 45 minutes, three to four times a week. I can't do it. Um, obviously when I'm working one-on-one with my, my patients for their rehab goals and their you know recovery, there is time and very specific things that we work on. But anytime anyone's like, you know, I just want to get back into it. You know, it's been a while since I worked out. I'm like, don't even think of it like a workout. That's what stresses people out. Honestly, most of the time is the word exercise and the word working out. It just like, it's sometimes it's just like such a block for people that they're just like, I can't do it. It's like very like starting trouble problems with that. Like the word diet, perhaps. (laughs) Exactly. Diet, all that stuff. It's like ends up becoming starting trouble. So like, I actually just don't even use that language with some people who are really trying to, you know, get into any kind of fitness, like just very, very beginning their journeys and like starting that path. I just literally am like, walk, 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 walk when you can not even as like a separate task, just in your everyday activities, just walk more. That's all. Like put your water bottle like over there and then just get up and go get it each time. Like very, very simple things to just move your body first. And then usually if people just, it's more of like a mindset shift. And I'm sure that you see that with your patients too, is most of it is like self-block and obstacles that they're having in their own, in their own minds with starting that journey. And so once they're kind of reshape and reframe the way they look at their diet or reshape the way they reshape the way they look at their fitness goals or exercising or whatever it is, um, it just becomes so much easier to then say, okay, now we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And now they can see the benefit of that and they can just kind of get that buy-in for themselves. So, I mean, that doesn't work for everyone as obviously, as you know, Robin, like some people are have like different approaches and you have to work differently with different people. Um, but yeah, that's my, I agree though. By and large, I think that just let gradual easy, does it layering things in like, it's like, I think we're so attached to the idea of like quick fix and solve it now and do it. Now we tend to go hard and fast and again, put too much pressure on ourselves and then burn out and stop exercising or, you know, stop eating vegetables or whatever our goal was. And it's like, um exactly what you're saying it's like sometimes a gentle approach especially nowadays honestly it's something I noticed I don't know if you noticed this too with COVID I just noticed everyone got burnt everyone was burnt out at like a deep level 
and being gentle like taking a more gentle approach slowing it down was the name of the game for most of my people for a long time and and absolutely yeah yeah I mean it's still like you said it still is I think the slowdown piece is absolutely like everyone needs to really take a look at all of that stuff that they feel like they need to accomplish and the things that they're doing. And I think that there is these waves and time, right? Where things are, things go up and down in your life, things go up and down in society and the world. And that affects the up and down in your life. And I think at the end of the day, if you try to like operate at that hundred percent, it needs to be perfect. Like every meal needs to be exactly this curated, blah, 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 blah. Or I didn't hit my exercise goals and I didn't run for that whatever time that I said I would or didn't do the last set that I said I would it actually just creates resentment for that thing that's supposed to be the most healthy thing that's helping you right so like you just said this whole compassion and the whole patience idea and working with yourself like at the end of the day like love yourself so much that even those moments where you don't do exactly what you thought you were going to be able to do or like, don't think of that as like a negative thing. Whatever you did, think of that as just adding more fuel to your self. And like any gas in the car is good gas in the car. You know, it doesn't always have to be at full tank and operating. It's still going to move the car. And so, yeah, I know that's a half glass full concept. And I know that some people might be tired of hearing it that way, but I think it always, always, always is applicable in any anything related to your health and anything related to, um, you know, hard things like difficult work that contributes to your healthy lifestyle and diet and exercise are difficult. And they're like, it doesn't have to be difficult. And it's all obviously like, I guess I shouldn't say it's difficult. What I should say is it can be more challenging if you think of it that way, but we have tools, strategies, Robin to guide you, for example, through this process so that it doesn't feel that way for you. And sometimes like just listening to a show like this, having that first consultation with an educated, you know, professional whose work is to do like the very thing, guide you through that process can just be so much more calming. Like, okay, I can, I can do this kind of a thing. So, but having said that, how do people find you, Robin? Um, good segue. <laughs> um, the, the best place to find me is probably on my website, robinrandc.com. So if you want to check anything out about me there, find out how to work with me. Um, and if you're interested in more of the nitty gritty of like, okay, but what do I actually aim for on my plate? If you sign up for my email list, which is a great way for us to stay in touch, stay in the loop of any new offerings and such, um, you get a free PDF that kind of lays out like a meal template. Um, just a template, not like anything to put, again, put too much pressure or stress on yourself, but just ideas for like, what should, if I'm trying to fill half my plate with vegetables, what could that look like? If I'm trying to eat, um, 25% of my plate is protein. What could, what are the options for that? You know, like sometimes we tend to blank out. And so this is just like a nice little visual guide to like building a, building a nice nutrient dense plate. Um, so if folks are interested in that more of the, like, yeah, tell me more about what I eat up for my email list. And I guess I'm on Instagram as well. You can find me there, Robin Rand DC. Perfect. And I'll drop all of that on the show notes so people can just click and follow and copy and paste into the URL. Um, but thank you so much, Robin, for the chat today. I feel like I learned a lot um, and loved going back and forth on how our, our kind of 
work and the way that we work with our patients overlaps a little bit, uh, a lot of it, actually. Um, so I'm so happy to have you on the show today. And, you know, there's so much within your world we actually didn't even touch on with the whole section on women's health and like really going into different kinds of digestive disorders. And I'm sure you, you have a lot to say about. So um, maybe we'll have you on another season, another episode, and we can chat more so people can learn more about what you do and how much benefit they can gain from working with a functional nutritionist. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Thanks thanks again for having me. Thank you guys so much for tuning in week after week. Thank you for investing in yourself and your well-being. This podcast is free. We don't sell ads. So if you listened to the show today and gained anything out of it, please share it with your friends, family, and colleagues. And it means the world when you rate and review the show. You can even screenshot this episode and upload it to your social media stories and tag at Sneha Physical Therapy. Subscribe to get updates on new episodes so you don't miss a show. See you again next week with an exciting new guest and topic.